Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And because we're equal opportunity critics in this space, on your screen right now is the logo of Nintendo itself. Big and red and ready to make some unusual decisions as they are so often want to do. I raise this only because a number of you have come out in my comments and on my social media and in my DMs accusing me of a certain amount of bias against Sony in favor of Microsoft and their Xbox console. Now, I think Microsoft has made some good choices. I think Sony has made some good choices. But when I see some of those choices that I think are worthy of criticism, I do call them out here in this space. So if you haven't been here for long, if you haven't watched a lot of virtual legality episodes, please note the last two videos in this space. Yeah, calling out PlayStation and Sony for things that I think they should be called out for. Two of the last five videos, however, are about Microsoft doing some interesting things, potentially stiffing composers on royalties or self-evidently kicking off a transparent PR campaign to try to justify and defend its Activision purchase to the Federal Trade Commission here in the United States and a number of other jurisdictions that are going to be looking at that deal and how ridiculous I found some of their corporate messaging. If you go back and you look at all 600 plus episodes of Virtual Legality, you will find instances where I am critical of basically all video game publishers and hardware manufacturers. So please do check that out. And on that note, thank you so much to everybody that has checked out one of our more popular videos of the recent past. Don't buy Horizon Forbidden West on the PS5 because I do think the information there is useful to get out even if some folks accuse me of clickbait or trolling or whatever else they accuse me of. Now, this video actually took a weird winding path to more popularity on the internet, including for the first time, Becoming the story itself. Here's Video Game Chronicle. Lawyer lambasts Sony for deceptive marketing of Horizon's free PS5 upgrade. Hogue Law attorney, that's Hogue to you and I, says situation could present a possibility of a class action claim, which in fact I did in response to the question, could this present a possibility of a class action claim? Now, if you've been in this space for any length of time, you know that basically anyone can sue anyone for any reason. The trick is to bring a legal claim that doesn't get immediately kicked out of court. I also pointed out in this article, which I will of course link in the description, that some of the issues here might be the raw size of the pot. $10 for purchase, even if you assumed it was all 20 million that got sold with respect to Horizon Zero Dawn is only $200 million. I say only because plaintiff's class action attorneys are going to be motivated by what their cut of that is in order to represent that class. And so that could present a problem in and of itself. But certainly with what I see Sony doing, I think there's an issue. Please, of course, leave a comment in this video or that one telling me why I'm wrong, as so many of you have. But that's a side note to what I want to talk about today. That is, in fact, the third publisher, Nintendo, who has made some interesting choices and, frankly, taken some PR flack for those choices, some of which I think is warranted, but a lot of which I think is not. The first of these stories is as follows. Wii U and Nintendo 3DS eShop discontinuation. So the Wii U and the 3DS are two of the immediate predecessors to the Switch. And here is Nintendo saying essentially their online shop where you could purchase games is going to go away. Or as they put it, as of late March 2023, so not this coming March, but the March thereafter, it will no longer be possible to make purchases in Nintendo eShop for the Wii U system and the Nintendo 3DS family of systems because they had different configurations within that family. 
Furthermore, as this date draws closer, related services will cease to function. And this is where it gets a little bit interesting, and I think some of the castigation is warranted. Nintendo wants to take credit for, hey, we're giving you so much time here, it's not even going to happen until late March of next year. And then in the very next section, they say, uh, as the date draws closer, here, starting off in May of 2022, approximately three months from now, it will no longer be possible to use a credit card to add funds to an account in Nintendo eShop on Wii U or the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. Now, I don't know about how you might use an eShop or a PlayStation Store or the Xbox Store or what have you, but in general, if you want to buy something on these stores, I suspect you're very often using a credit card. So they will close down to you functionally in terms of purchases three months from now, not a year plus. And then as of August 29th, 2022, it will no longer be possible to use a Nintendo eShop card. So before that six-month mark from this announcement, give or take, you'd still be able to go around the horn and use a credit card to go buy an eShop card, then use an eShop card on the eShop, et cetera, et cetera. But for all practical purposes, it becomes very, very difficult to actually purchase anything on the eShop six months from this announcement, not a year plus. You want to keep that in mind because they've provided a fact here, a frequently answered uh, questions document that they want to say they're getting credit for announcing this a year in advance. And I, I don't really think that's warranted. Now they do note for you, no changes are planned for Nintendo eShop on the Nintendo Switch family systems. That's nice. Good to know that you're currently live and very, very popular system will not be affected uh, by this. But even after late March, 2023, and for the foreseeable future, says Nintendo, it will still be possible to re-download games and DLC receive software updates, and enjoy online play on Wii U and the Nintendo 3DS family systems. Now, this is an interesting part, and we're going to talk about this because some folks have asked questions here. All that's getting shut off is the interface of purchasing new stuff from this store. Even after the shutoff date here, and we'll talk about foreseeable future in a second, Nintendo is still going to allow you to re-download because that's always a really big PR hit when the stuff that you bought can't be downloaded again. So Nintendo is going to keep that up. It's also going to keep up an update functionality and online play. So whatever backend is doing that kind of thing for them is going to remain up. It's going to cost whatever money it costs for Nintendo. Only thing that's coming down is that direct payment access interface, which some have questioned, hey, how much money could they possibly be saving while they make all this on selling you Switches? Now, they give you this Q&A. Why is this happening? They ask. This is part of the natural life cycle for any product line as it becomes less used by consumers over time. I always love corporate Q&A fact type documents, right? Because they set the questions and they set the answers. And we're going to see one question got removed, apparently, that had the entirely wrong tone, in my opinion. But you can even see the subtleties of wrong toneness here. Why is this happening? Sounds like the plea of a desperate man asking why his child has been lost. And then the Lion King coming in to explain that this is part of the natural life cycle for any product. We, we lose as much as we get, little Timmy. Sometimes this just has to happen. It doesn't talk about costs. It doesn't talk about how much time or resources they have to spend actually keeping a server up, issues with OSs or software or anything like that. It's just part of nature. So I have to love that. I think that kind of answer is why you see some of this castigation. Why are you announcing this now? Well, we are providing this notice more than a year in advance of the end of purchases, so users will have plenty of time to prepare. 
And objection, a year in advance is cutting it a little thinly here. You're giving most folks three months to actually go through the ordinary process of buying one of these things on the store. Six months if you want to use an eShop card. Are any other services or functions of Wii U or the 3DS going to be discontinued? Well, there are no plans to make any further changes at this time. How long will it still be possible to re-download previously purchased content? How long will those systems still support online play? Nintendo's answer, for the foreseeable future. Gives you a lot of comfort there, right? You're not going to put any kind of limit on this. If I were looking at this in a contract term, I would reject it and say, bare minimum, you can keep your for the foreseeable future language if you want it. We're going to have to put a floor on that. For the foreseeable future and no less than three years from this announcement, five years, 10 years, whatever, it will still be possible to re-download games. This, as it stands right now, is no promise of anything. Next one, there are still Nintendo eShop cards at retailers that show the Wii U and Nintendo 3DS logos. What will happen to them? And again, you get this kind of notion of somebody that's a little bit hyperventilating, right? The questions that Nintendo is posing to itself is the unreasonable person. This is all between the lines. You'll see why this jumps out a little bit more when we see the question that they actually removed. Uh, but Nintendo answering these, calming them down. Hey, these cards will continue to be at retail while supplies last. Now, the interesting thing there is actually having them at retail. I presume that Nintendo doesn't believe many will survive this year-long period, but actually having them at retail does present an interesting issue. Presumably, they're marked all up with these specific logos and the understanding implied or expressed that they will work to purchase things on those stores that have those logos. Nintendo's probably going to have to put out another notice, and if there are a lot of those cards remaining, uh, might have to do something like recall them or otherwise deal with them in a fashion that is more than, eh, they'll still be on racks at your Best Buy, and oh well, you can't use them for those systems. Oh well. If someone visits the Nintendo eShop and wants to download something after late March 2023, what will they be able to do? Well, they'll re-download content they own, they can download updates, but they can't purchase anything, get demos, have free-to-start software, redeem a code, can't access anything new, or otherwise add funds to their Nintendo eShop balance. And on Nintendo 3DS, users will still be able to download a small number of free themes from the theme shop. Okay, themes on your 3DS. That's great. Now, that's the statement that they went out with. And a couple of folks asked me, journalists and otherwise, hey, you know, can they get in any trouble with this? Because the big ticket item here is there's a bunch of stuff that is only available on the Wii U and 3DS eShops digitally that will be lost in terms of availability to people that want to play those games. Is there anything that can be done? And does it change the nature of copyright analysis, right? We've done a bunch of videos in this space talking about Nintendo taking things down. Who stopped the music? Nintendo, right? Where they took down music that was offered through YouTube probably because they want to offer it themselves, but even if they don't, they don't have to do that, right? We've talked about this a lot, and of course, this is the United States facing copyright. Japanese copyright, slightly different. Many jurisdictions have slightly different versions of this, but for the most part, if you make something, you are the sole controller of what happens with that thing that you made. In the U.S., the owner of a copyright, you made the thing, has the exclusive right to reproduce it, to prepare derivatives from it, to distribute copies of it, to perform it, to display it, etc. They have the exclusive right to do these things, and with that, the exclusive right not to do them. And this upsets people, and I understand why. 
I would be all in favor of copyright reform looking at our digital economy and saying, we need to adjust things when they are completely unavailable to the public. Or at bare minimum, we need to start talking about escrow accounts and other ways to preserve the availability of these games into the future. At bare minimum, for museum purposes, to be able to reflect on our history, to maybe learn things from it. The same reason we record and otherwise keep copies of everything else except software and video games because this digital landscape is so different. So I'm not against reform and looking at these things right now, but understand there are reasons that Nintendo can legitimately say they don't want to sell you those games that would otherwise be available through the 3DS or the Wii U, right? The most obvious of which is when we start talking about where you can find some of these games, it's with respect to their Switch online membership program, which was indeed their initial answer in the fact that they provided. Now, Wario64, famous Twitter user, pointed this out. We also saw this from Kotaku, uh, highlighting that this was the answer that they gave before it was removed from the fact. We went through the entire fact at the top of this video. This question and answer doesn't appear, but you get a lot more of the attitude that Nintendo has put in this question and answer kind of section. Once it is no longer possible to purchase software in Nintendo eShop on Wii U and the Nintendo 3DS family of systems, many classic games for past platforms will cease to be available for purchase anywhere. Will you make classic games available to own some other way? If not, then why? Doesn't Nintendo have an obligation to preserve its classic games by continually making them available for purchase? And again, you read that last question, and it's so obviously intended to be answered no, right? Nintendo doesn't have an obligation. We just talked about that legally. And it doesn't have an obligation, certainly, to make them continually available. We've seen that with things like the Disney Vault and otherwise. You can have perfectly legitimate business reasons for saying, this is going away for five years. We want you to want it more when we sell it again, and now we bring it back. Nintendo is a little bit more oddball in that they bury things and we never know when we're going to see them again. And Nintendo's answer is, hey, we have a product for that, kind of. Across our Nintendo Switch online membership plans, over 130 classic games are currently available in growing libraries for various legacy systems. The games are often enhanced with new features such as online play, like what we give you. We think this is an effective way to make classic content easily available to a broad range of players. And within these libraries, new and longtime players can not only find games they remember or have heard about, but other fun games they might not have thought to seek out otherwise. Hey, the limitations that we've put forth by only offering you 130 out of thousands of games that are otherwise in Nintendo's history is that you're stuck with what we offer you. Maybe you'll find something you've never heard of to like. And then of course, the bullet at the end, we currently have no plans to offer classic content in other ways. Now, this question and answer got removed, probably because it was being highlighted on social media, like we saw from Warrior 64. This was being passed around. This made headlines in Kotaku, uh, of course. But there are reasons why, again, giving benefit of the doubt, it could be removed. And that might be because we currently have no plans to offer classic content in other ways might not actually be accurate. They might not intend to limit it to Switch Online and they don't want that to be the last message that they go out to people with, especially since Switch Online, I don't know what the uptake is on it. You have to want to play multiplayer games on the Switch. I don't know what the uptake for their new expansion pass is where they seemingly are trying to work around all sorts of business models 
adding tracks to Mario Kart, adding the DLC to Animal Crossing while giving you N64 games. And I don't know whether you or anyone else is interested in that over the long term, but Nintendo's working these things out and might well change things in the future because, frankly, the expansion pass is still an experiment. That said, we do a lot of corporate messaging analysis in this space, and this is almost entirely wrong, right? If not, then why aren't you offering them? That isn't even answered. Why do you ask yourself a question in a fact and not answer it? You just take this part out. What are you doing, Nintendo? Instead, they give you this last bit that says, do we have an obligation to preserve our classic games by continually making them available? Answer that is no, but they don't even give you that no, right? Instead, they are essentially asking themselves a somewhat hardball question, which is then transparently pivoted against like they're on PBS or something in their own fact. It's the most bizarre thing. And I think it led to some of this vitriol. Now they knew this was coming because these games are going to go away, but this is maybe the exact wrong way to handle something like this. And that's one of the reasons why I called this Nintendo. Now I do think there can be justifications for Nintendo taking this step, right? It costs money to keep this stuff up. Kyle Orland from Ars Technica says, hey, genuine question. I haven't seen anyone really tackle. How much would it actually cost for Nintendo to continue supporting game purchases on 3DS and Wii U? They're not shutting down online services or game redownloads on either system, so it's just about purchase processing. Sure, there are downstream costs as far as training support staff to deal with aging systems, but how expensive can it be to train a handful of specialists on the extremely rare person that calls for help with a decade-old platform? And, and here, I think, is where you get some disconnect, right? Anybody that's worked even adjacent to IT services, especially with old and aging systems, knows how quickly those costs can ramp up, especially as institutional knowledge goes the way of the dodo and becomes extinct at your company. I strongly suspect that Nintendo stuff is old. Nintendo's folks are getting to a place where they don't necessarily have the capability of dealing with it anymore. And looking at the revenue that's actually being generated from interactions at the Wii U and 3DS level, it didn't make any sense anymore. Now that has the preservation problems and I'm all with you if you've got those preservation issues. Again, I understand that and I do think that we can start looking at reforms to our intellectual property laws across many jurisdictions to try to address those. But in terms of having to keep this stuff up, no, we don't want businesses to have to do things that lose them money solely because of preservation and things of that nature. Now he continues, he goes on and on and he says, hey, I got a DM suggesting that the main culprit is aging servers that have old OS versions, software frameworks that don't work or are insecure on new hardware and that no current employees know how to fix anymore, which he admits seems pretty plausible. Then Game Over 30, who I've recommended you follow on a couple of videos here in Virtual Legality, good follow, knows a bit about what he's talking about on this stuff, says this is really the core of the issue, especially for aging systems. The legacy backend systems actually get more expensive to maintain as the years go on. A company I used to work for spent multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in contracts to support legacy hardware, and that was one server. Nintendo likely has redundancy and layers of complexity to maintain. Shutting these systems down usually isn't a case of we just don't want to deal with it. The longer they remain up, the harder and more expensive to maintain if they aren't otherwise modernized, presumably, as you go. Now take that with the grain of salt that we give everybody else giving their expert opinion on these kinds of things at, but there is reason to believe that Nintendo doesn't just simply want to take this PR hit, which they knew they were going to take. They tried to answer it in advance in the worst way possible. Nintendo never change. But 
Keeping these things up clearly costs some amount of money, and however their backend systems are set up, just keeping a notion of what your license rights are and allowing you to redownload it doesn't appear to have the same cost impact as having to keep the purchasing store option open. Now, I understand why that's such a big issue for folks that play the Wii U, that play the 3DS, want to continue to have those options available to them, but... This makes a certain amount of sense to me with these systems essentially becoming legacy systems and then moving on to the next set of systems. So that's Nintendo's first issue that I wanted to talk with you all about. Very interesting. Again, I would love to see these things stay open forever. I have all sorts of problems with discontinuation uh, and not being allowed to get access to the stuff that you've otherwise purchased. Nintendo seems to have taken a middle road here. You can still redownload what you've purchased, but you're only going to have a certain amount of time to purchase those, and then they're going to be effectively gone uh, from a legal avenue for the quote-unquote foreseeable future, which of course is what Nintendo has used in its own FAQ answers. But no, to the folks that have asked me, that doesn't make your right to pirate any stronger. That doesn't make your ability to go and get ROMs or otherwise any more useful in a court of law should it come to it. And if it does come to it, I think we can expect more videos in virtual reality, more actions by Nintendo that are about taking down ROM sites, taking down piracy sites, because we've seen historically that Nintendo wants to do those things. So maybe that ramps up. Maybe you see online, on Reddit, on other forums that you find yourselves in. It's only fair because they don't make it legally available themselves. And yet the law says that is fully their prerogative. They might want to be creating a market for something that they want to sell you. They might want to get it away because they're embarrassed by it, right? Some of the stuff you see in the Disney vault is stuff that they're embarrassed by. They don't want to show you again because they think it otherwise reflects poorly on their name. Nintendo gets to make that choice. That's where the law sits right now. And while I think there should be preservation carve-outs and that should be reanalyzed as the copyright itself is reanalyzed going forward in the future, at no point do I think that the copyright holder should be forced to do things in public to sell you these copies uh, at pain of law. Now we get Nintendo's other kind of interesting state of affairs. If you didn't watch the Nintendo Direct, I believe it was last week, the weeks just run on uh, at this point in 2022 already, Nintendo announced that Wii Sports was coming back, here called Nintendo Switch Sports, and further, that they'd be doing an online play test in their parlance. Now they've done these before on the Switch, but this one in particular caught some folks' eye. First, it's a reward exclusive to Nintendo Switch Online members. You have to have this online membership. And then in the notes, they say the following. The online playtest software is under development. Might not be reflective of the full version of Nintendo Switch Sports. You may experience unexpected behaviors or errors while playing. This is totally normal language for a beta, right? We're pre-release. Who knows what'll happen? Uh, don't expect this to be perfect. You didn't pay for it. And give it a try at your own discretion. But then... The second bullet is what really caught people's eye. By downloading and participating in the Nintendo Switch Sports online playtest, you agree not to publicly share any details from this online playtest, including on your social media channels. And, and a lot of people found this to be odd. This is a public test. This isn't a closed beta where you've got a formal non-disclosure agreement or anything else. And here you have as a bullet point to you downloading this thing that by playing it, you agree to this. And understand, not everybody's even going to read these types of important notes, as Nintendo puts it. So that calls into question that in and of itself. 
And then a number of folks complained. Here's VGC again. Nintendo is forbidding Switch Sports playtesters from sharing info on social media. The online playtest is available to all Switch online subscribers this weekend. It's a public test. You see VGC cover this in a couple places. And you see that this was directed to their attention by Twitter user Dr. Cupcakes, Liam Robertson, who unfortunately I can't use directly because I'm blocked. And if you've been in virtual reality for a while, you know I'm blocked by a few of these folks uh, for reasons either known or unknown. Uh, and Liam blocked me, I believe, when I did the video on him trying to get people fired uh, a couple years ago at this point in time. But he says, in more news of Nintendo being dumb and out of touch, they are prohibiting players of the Nintendo Switch Sports online playtest from sharing anything on social media about it. I thought this was a playtest, he says. Don't you want feedback? Don't you want people to be able to talk openly about their thoughts and experiences and to be able to show you any issues they encountered? Truly baffling. Now, I have to tell you that sequence of tweets, a little bit disingenuous, right? What is restricted in this Nintendo term is sharing it publicly, including on your social media channels, not sharing it with Nintendo, who presumably has some kind of bug report or other form that you could enter into while you're playing this game to tell them about issues that you might otherwise have. It's just not sharing it with your buddy on Reddit or on Twitter or on Facebook about how bad tennis was or anything along those lines because Nintendo is concerned that their game isn't finished and that stuff will go out while they're trying to test their network environment. And I do think they are testing their network environment. If you look at the details here, they're very weird. Friday, you can play this 45 minutes. Saturday, you can play these three 45 minutes. Or Sunday, you can play this specific 45 minutes. This matches some of the earlier online play tests that Nintendo did, but certainly reflects the notion that they are actually online play tests. You make these windows small so that you narrow the focus and get a, a lot of people in on your server so that you can stress test them and otherwise figure out, make sure that they're running Okay, so it seems to be a legitimate test. Nintendo, we've already talked about being historically very close to the vest about their intellectual property entirely, cutting off YouTube channels, displaying music, cutting down various things like Super Smash Brother Melee tournaments. We've covered that in this space. Nintendo is one of those companies that is very, very cautious about how its IP is being used. So it's not really a surprise here that they say this. What is a surprise to me is how it's been covered, right? You look at this bullet, and if you've looked at contracts before, if you've seen me talk about these things before, the very first question that should come into your mind is, uh, or what? You, you didn't actually put a term of remedy here. Uh, if I do publicly share these details uh, on my social media channels, uh, what happens to me? Uh, it's not a breach of the terms of service of my Nintendo Online membership. It's not a breach of my account terms. So what are you threatening here? Or as we sometimes see in contracts, is this designed more as a signaling function than a functional function, right? Is this designed more to say, hey, you should be worried about this. We can get this reported on in various places so that you think twice about doing this. We're going to block you from actually sending screenshots and video through our normal channels when you use this, but what's ultimately gonna happen to you? Probably nothing, right? And this calls back to one of our common subjects here in virtual legality, and that's largesse, right? These video game companies set these terms so that they are protected to the maximal extent. You shouldn't do this thing. But realistically, are we going to do anything about it? Almost certainly no. We'll see what happens when these playtests actually go up and people do put their stuff on social media because obviously you can, right? This picture of a screen showing that the software is blocked is in fact a picture of a screen. You can always take a picture of your screen. You can always take a video 
from your screen. This blocking isn't going to stop people from sharing things that they want to share from their Nintendo Switch and their online play test. It's just gonna make it slightly more difficult. And whether Nintendo decides to do anything from that is likely dependent on whether or not they're okay with the messages going out. Hey, I had a great time playing tennis. Look at this shot. Hey, this game is awesome. You know what? Nintendo, probably unlikely to strike down. However, if you're saying something naughty, if you're saying something about how buggy the game is, if you're otherwise making Nintendo look bad, this puts that sort of Damocles that we've talked about so often here in virtual reality above your head. Hey, if we don't like what you're saying, we told you you're not allowed to share this stuff. And no, we don't have to enforce this equally. We can keep the people that are really stoked about our game up and otherwise try to control the messaging as Nintendo so often does. So I think it's worthy of criticism. For a beta test like this, you should probably just allow things to go out there. You probably shouldn't worry about this as much as you do, but that's essentially a normative judgment. That's me saying, this is how I feel your company should think about this. I think it's the right way to think about it, certainly in the West, but it's their prerogative to say, hey, we don't want this to happen and to try to tell you not to do it. It wouldn't surprise me if a warning like this actually appears within the game somewhere, maybe has some kind of identification code that goes in the corner so that they could really try to get you. But as it stands right now, they don't actually tell you what breaching this specific agreement would do. Uh, they might try to make things difficult for account holders, but it isn't tied as best I can see to that account. So it would surprise me if they tried to do anything massive. This is them setting that sort of Damocles them operating with largesse as the primary point of contact with their users. And while I don't like that, I've said that very, very often here in virtual legality, it doesn't strike me as crazy. It strikes me as reflective of a company that worries a little bit too much about the internet and hopefully one day can worry a little bit less about it. So a couple of interesting choices from Nintendo today, one of which I think is gonna impact people a little more, of course, the closure of those stores, realistically, the closure of purchasing options through most normal avenues three months from now, not a year from now, and how Nintendo has treated even itself in the fact questions and answers that they put forth. The open play test, not as concerned about. Nintendo Switch Sports, very likely to do well. Wii Sports was a massive, massive hit for them. And if they can regenerate some of that interest, I think it's going to be a big popular game for them in the long run. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you like talking about the business and law of corporate messaging, decision-making, licenses, IP, and more, please consider supporting the channel. We can't do it without viewers and listeners like you. We've got a Patreon for you to check out. We're also appearing every week on the Season Gaming Bitcast, 11 a.m. Central, talking about this and more. A lot more video game-focused conversation there. If you're interested in an intellectual and analytical discussion, please do check us out over there. Link in the description or otherwise, just subscribing, telling your friends we're having these conversations. Every little bit that subscriber number goes up for YouTube is more that the YouTube bots, algorithms, whatever you want to call them, help us be found by even more folks. It's a snowball effect. I appreciate to a maximal extent every little bit of help that you can offer. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.